0: Welcome to the Rewild My Bio podcast. I'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the Rewild My Bio podcast is situated on the traditional territories of the original peoples of Turtle Island, and I pay respect to the land and to the elders, past, present, and future. Welcome, everyone, to part two of the first episode of the podcast titled, What is Rewilding? If you listen to part one, you will know that we are setting some lofty goals around here, deconstructing the fallacy of evidence-based medicine through a critical social perspective, and using our rewilding lens, we're going to share some stories, we're going to share some science of the benefits of aligning your life with the flow of Mother Nature. So, why are we doing this? Well, because, as I mentioned in that first episode, things are getting a little bit squirrely in the air quotes civilized world today, so... Today we are going to answer that very important question that I've been getting all the time from friends lately when I'm telling them about the name of my podcast, and that is, what is rewilding? So if you are into rewilding and you listened to that first episode, you might by now be realizing that this show is going to put a little different spin on rewilding. And furthermore, this show is more of a self-help and alternative health podcast through a wilderness-based lens And a spot for me to share my biography into rewilding and the power that comes, or I believe comes from getting in touch with those wild parts of our soul that might still be lost in the woods. So today I will be explaining more of my take on rewilding as well as how some leaders in the movement have defined it. So thank you guys who did listen to the first part of the episode. It is not easy, one, interviewing folks, I've done a couple interviews now, um, But it's also really not easy doing a solo episode right out of the gates. And I am doing my best at becoming a better podcaster as quickly as possible. So to not lose any of you that start following right from the start. So I appreciate your patience Um, in these show intros that I'm doing right now. I am essentially going to spend about five minutes basically introducing my guest and what we talk about. But I might also use this time to answer some questions from you guys or to further clarify anything that I said in a previous episode, and I want to do that right now. There is one thing I said in the last episode, and things I talk about today, um, I do want to further unpack here just a little bit, because it's around anarchy, capitalism, and rewilding. I said I don't have any problems with capitalism in any way, shape, or form in the first episode, and that is not exactly true. I did later clarify this a little bit. Um, I do, in, in many ways, have problems with the way capitalism is currently practiced. But what I meant was it's just a theory. And once you've rewilded and embraced the rewilding mindset, as much as I have, I truly do feel that a theory can't hurt you. Now, I know some would argue against that, but I'm pretty cool with it. And yes, I am aware that there are many parts of Western culture that want to suppress our wild nature. I just question if capitalism, in theory, really suppresses our Wildness. Um, I feel like the whole idea, hate the game, not the player mentality, is not really serving us And in 2020. I think we need to hate the player who tries to cheat the system to make a buck quick and create brainwashed, dependent consumers like, say, the healthcare system, um, or the healthcare industry, I should say, because it's very much an industry out to make money. We need to demand something better than those who exploit our basic, human needs and desires and pollute the earth in the process. So anyway, the topic of capitalism and rewilding is something I hope to unpack more throughout the life of this show, um, especially with those invested in the rewilding movement to see what they propose as a solution to corporate greed and other social structures that, you know, currently operate outside of the laws of nature. So I believe we just need more people desiring or demanding to get in touch with the wild in them. And wild places, and the current system could provide. I talk about later how the good thing is no one can, I mean, sure, privatization of land and things, but for the most part, no one can control the elements that make up our body. And people need to start really looking at the way they interact with the economy if they want to rewild, I believe. And so I don't wanna throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I wanna take a closer look at rewilding and capitalism for sure. Another thing I mentioned in the last episode, and this obviously I think maybe goes without saying, but uh, I also know that anarchy and chaos or violence are two separate things. And I'm still unsure if anarchy or disorder needs to be part of the rewilder's vocabulary. I feel like there is a lot of order in the wild. It's just not as neat and tidy or as easy for us to see in the West might be living in, again, civilization. Sure, I would love to see a model for resource allocation or for a stateless state that has successfully ever existed since we started coming together around fire as hunter-gatherers. And more so, I'd love to see how one plans on transitioning to this rewilder's utopia without the next next mass extinction first occurring, right? So, and I mean, and, and it might very well just take that. So, I think, I mean, rewilding offers obviously a great hope for anyone with that mindset. And if you have that, hopefully you're the one still a lover. You have some rewilding skills or you're around your rewilding buddy when the grid does go down. And yeah, sure, I can admit that maybe part of me wants it to go down and I feel like I'm I'm ready and I'm comfortable living in, in nature. But the show seeks to offer solutions and hope for the average everyday Joe or Jane without the grid going down. And this is why I say I don't plan on going down the doomsday prep rabbit hole too much. Again, the aim of the show is much more a self-help and alternative health podcast through a rewilding lens. So I will let those in the rewilding movement debate this. And I would love to have, again, some of them on the show to learn more about rewilding roots in, say, like, green anarchizy or green anarchy, rather. Um, So I I know we once lived in anarchy. Like, I get I get that. I just don't think we would want to go back to a stateless state existence with billions of people on the planet. And I guess I just don't identify as an anarchist either. So there's that. I'm definitely someone who uses a critical lens uh, for sure. And actually, as I'm mentioning, you know, way in which we're viewing the world, the book Ishmael uh, comes to mind and it shows, uh, historically speaking anyways, how We have always had a state or a tribal leader, and with that, we have always had war and fighting. And I don't think folks are going to sign up for a no-leader, like, anarchy, wild state, per se, or something like that, just right out the gate. Um, I think so many people are way too comfy with domestication and staying captive, right? Being hooked into the matrix, so to speak. So, however, as we will talk about today through returning to the wild in us and the cycles of nature, we can free ourselves from captivity even if simultaneously a good portion of the world is still walking around, you know, plugged right into the machine, so to speak. So that is fine for them. But if you want to unplug, if you want to reconnect, we're going to talk about how to do that, how to hunt and gather without being considered a caveman and everyone looking at you like you're just trying to be a caveman. (laughs) So I said this before, and I'll say this again, I believe we can work with capitalism because the good thing about nature is it is free and the elements can't be owned, even though corporations are trying. And there are many human like modern folk walking the earth here today who have sold their souls to the machine. But this show is going to help us, you know, put the wild lens back on right here in the face of many people still hooked up to the Matrix. So. It's basically, yeah, it's kind of like a show of uh, like the Matrix training ground where it's like, I feel like I might even be like a Morpheus here. No, I'm kidding. I don't don't know if I could call myself a Morpheus, but I want to interview folks like them who are helping individuals unplug, see the ones and zeros. And I hope you guys enjoy today's show. I think I've said enough here. I've gone much over my five minutes. Um, I think the message is clear. What I'm presenting today is that rewilding is very much a spectrum. And to reiterate from last show, um, paradoxes everywhere in the wild. So what you might be rewilding or what might be rewilding to one person might be considered you know domesticated to another. Again, the paradox being that, yes, our wild nature we evolved with did not involve being ruled by big government and multinational corporations, but I am not sure if rewilding therefore means we are seeking to be stateless or live in a world without corporations. So just scratching the surface of this discussion here today, I hope to do it many more times. As you will see in the definition I share today, I see a wild world where these institutions are being governed by the cycles of nature and they're being held to that as well. So the definition I offer today is fresh. It's humanistic in nature Um, It is my definition of rewilding seeing as this show will try to smash some dogmas I thought might as well start with the rewilding movement and the title of my show and You guys will see today. I don't literally want to go back and live in the woods 100% of the time I do enjoy that and I have and I live on the edge of the wild of my life So to speak so if the grid goes down, you know, I am ready Body, soul, and spirit. So, without further ado, let's cue that music and dive into what rewilding means. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. For the most pressing question of the day of the podcast... What is rewilding? Well, there are many ways to explain this, and I think having researched this for some time now and actually looking for, you know, a somewhat standardized definition, I have yet to find it. So I'm excited to bring you guys this episode because I'm going to give you guys a few definitions and then, of course, give you my own definition of rewilding. So Oxford Dictionary actually has a definition of rewilding, which is said to restore... And this is actually from Googling on Wikipedia. So restore an area of land to its natural uncultivated state used especially with reference to the reintroduction of species of wild animals that have been driven out or exterminated in a certain ecosystem. So talk of rewilding North America, for example, gives some people nightmares of wolves running through the streets of Chicago and grizzlies Roman Luce in Los Angeles Um, and that again is all from googling what rewilding is so very much um, rewilding has kind of two uh, two origins European rewilding very much discussing reintroduction of wild species and letting certain areas grow wild again in North America rewilding has very much as of late anyways taken on the human rewilding standpoint which I will be discussing in just a minute. Um, But to start with rewilding, ideally, the most common use of rewilding or where it was first termed would be in regards to ecosystem regeneration, essentially. George Mombio, author of Feral, Searching for Enchantment on the Frontiers of Rewilding, is also a British political activist. On his website, he wrote an article titled, A Manifesto for Rewilding the World. In that article, he writes, through rewilding, the mass restoration of ecosystems, I see an opportunity to reverse the destruction of the natural world. Rewilding, in Mombio's opinion or view, should involve reintroducing missing animals and plants, taking down the fences, blocking the drainage ditches, calling a few particularly invasive exotic species, but otherwise standing back. It's about abandoning the biblical doctrine of dominion which has governed our relationship with the natural world so obviously very much or 100% dealing with the natural world dealing with the world outside of ourselves and I do like and I do agree I guess with his uh finishing sentence there abandoning the biblical doctrine of dominion so having control or sovereignty over the natural world is I like how he kind of calls the biblical nature of this mindset that we've had or our culture has developed from, right? So he also writes, above all, rewilding offers a positive environmentalism. Environmentalists have long known what they are against. Now we can explain what we are for. It introduces hope where hope seemed absent. So essentially rewilding to him is very much a tool as to what to do with all the uh, devolution or degradation and all the uh, destruction and pollution that our environment has. Experienced, so I do very much like how he sees it as a tool, very much as a verb. So, um, as I pointed out, this clearly deals with the environmental side of rewilding, and I think as a forefront, if we're going to go forward and for this show, having this as a basis, having having this as a goal or a tool again for the natural world, I think is something very uh, important if we're going to rewild ourselves and our social structures. So I do would love to have individuals like George Monbiot on the show. I would love to have other environmental scientists and authors on the show to explain what exactly is going on. Because as I've mentioned in part one to this episode, it's not necessarily my cup of tea per se, the environmental sciences. I'm a long-time tree hugger, sure. Uh, Someone who's lived in the woods, sure. However, I think that uh, having individuals on with more knowledge, I would love to pick their brains and learn. So, for example, climate change, um n- not a huge focus here in anything I had read on Mombio. Obviously there is um a lot of his work does have to deal with how rewilding certain ecosystems will help combat climate change. And I guess my again, it's it's above my pay grade to be speaking in regards to climate change. I understand that pollution, uh, you know, and man made greenhouse gases um accelerates climate change. I know that global warming is no longer the accepted vernacular around this or nor it has been for some time anyways. but I just I do know that climates change throughout human history, and I myself do not really clearly know where I sit as far as to which lens we need to use to view climate change. Climates will change. I do know one thing, polluting uh, greenhouse gases, all these man-made things that we could essentially put new investment, new research into new greener technologies, I think that would be ideal. Because regardless if they're changing climates or accelerating climate change, and if that's a good or a bad thing, I know one thing, breathing in a tailpipe off an old car is not a good thing, right? So that's kind of where I sit. Um, but I would love to learn more specifically how greenhouse gases, how uh, you know, man-made industry, how it is indeed impacting climate change Um, and again looking at things from a different perspective as to which lens we need to even view climate change with right a long time ago we were one giant continent for example Um, I'm sure climates were quite different then right so obviously um, how do we know how to interact with the natural world to actually maybe slow down climate change or if that's even necessary right so I hope I'm kind of Going somewhere with this, I don't know too much about climate change, is <laughs> essentially what I'm trying to say. But no, I hope to learn a lot more um, and have individuals like this on the show. But let's get into the human rewilding aspect. Because as we see, rewilding somewhat a verb with the environmentalist, environmental side to rewilding. So when it comes to human rewilding, uh, rewild.com actually has it as a verb right there on their landing page. It says to reverse the process of domestication. And then to return to a more wild or self-willed state. It goes on in a sentence or in a paragraph below. Concern over ecological collapse or economic uncertainty, health problems, a nagging sense of something missing in life, or a desire to save the world. So this definition here is getting a little bit closer to the type of rewilding that I've, I think we'll spend a good majority of the show speaking about because it does have to. It has to deal with uh, individual health economic uncertainty. So kind of zooming out from just the environmental impact or the environmental essence of rewilding. So if you look at Wikipedia, Wikipedia has a definition that I don't necessarily agree with at all. And as I alluded to in the first part of this episode, um, there is a element of anarchism in rewilding, or at least as it may appear at first glance, when you do a quick Google search. So, I want to go deeper with my definition, um, but I will give this because I think it's a good starting point for contrast. Rewilding means to return to a more wild or natural state, it is the process of undoing domestication. The term emerged from green anarchism and anarcho primitivism. The central argument is that the majority of humans have been civilized or domesticated by agrar- agrarianism. And sedentary social stratification. Such a process is compared to how dogs have become domesticated from what was common, from what was a common ancestor with wolves, so resulting in a loss of health and vibrancy in the process. Supporters of rewilding argue that through the process of domestication, human wildness, wildness has become altered by force. All right. So there are a few things there. Um, before I go on, there's a second part that I, I want to read as well but um, the piece in regards to rewilding means to return to a more wild or natural state, and it is the process of undoing domestication. So what exactly does domestication mean? One, but two, what is this more wild state? What is it that we are returning to, right? Um, that would be important, I think, first to define, which I will hear in a minute, but I think that first part has a lot of people thinking that rewilding the whole rewilding movement is just focused on going and getting lost in the woods and building a fire and uh living out of caves like cavemen and i think it has been for some time the ancestral health movement has way surpassed um the idea that we are going to ever uh attain the genetic status the environmental uh Influences that we had back when we were our Paleolithic ancestors, way back when. So, however, that said, there are important lessons we can take from this way of knowing. And that's where I think we're going to focus a lot more on in this show, or that is exactly where we're going to focus a lot more on this show, rather than returning to this nostalgic caveman i don't even know if it'd be nostalgic i don't personally think it'd be all that nostalgic or romantic to live in a cave i kind of like where we've gone with certain technological advances now obviously there's a happy medium and that's where i think there's room for discussion and definition as to what rewilding is now the second part of that definition that i don't necessarily know if i like too much or i'm not too sure about is the aspect about uh supporters of rewilding argue that through the process of domestication, human wildness has been altered by force. I looked into... So Wikipedia has a, does a great job at basically poo-pooing on everything alternative health. Anything holistic health, anything outside of mainstream science, they don't like. And I don't like Wikipedia for that. So I had to chase a few. Actually, I chased all these uh, references back. And th- this specific piece was to some article that I do not know where it came from or how it even gets referenced. But anyways, I have no recollection and I maybe something for future inquiry is to human wildness being altered by force. I could see from a very critical perspective over time, um, yes, but that's the one piece I wasn't too sure about. So since I'm going through definitions of rewilding for you guys and trying to find one that works with this show, I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky about certain things. And I just want to say I'm not too sure about that quite yet. So next, rewilding encourages the conscious undoing of human domestication and returning to the lifeways of some indigenous human cultures. Though often associated with primitive skills and learning knowledge of wild plants and animals, it emphasizes regenerative land management techniques employed by hunter-gatherers and horticulturalists or permaculturalists as well as development of the senses and fostering deepening personal relationships with members of other species of the natural world. Rewilding intends to create permanently wild human cultures beyond domestication. Rewilding is considered a holistic approach to living as opposed to specific or separate skills, practices, or knowledges. So there's a lot there that I really do enjoy and I think serves as a great definition for what we're going to chat about here in this show. When it comes to returning to the life ways of some indigenous human cultures, that's where this show is going to expand upon and provide modern day solutions. I think that's important. Obviously paying respect and acknowledging that a lot of this one way of knowing two practices um, and interaction with the natural world is very much rooted or foundational to indigenous human cultures. I think that goes without saying, and I think we will explore a lot of past cultures, but again, with not getting too caught up in the nostalgic of this old caveman time, we're going to look at how we can use modern day technologies and modern day culture to propel some of these rewilding techniques that we will be discussing here on the show. So other than that, I really do enjoy a lot of this definition of rewilding. So next for my definition of rewilding which is reconnecting with nature and wild places for biological, spiritual, and environmental health and healing. The wild state to which we are essentially then returning to is attained through reversing domestication to the best of one's ability and aligning the way we eat, sleep, hydrate, breathe, move, think, feel, and interact with community with the cycles of nature. All right, so we're trying to sync those things up, align them with, to the best of our ability, the cycles of nature. So, with that, often comes a slowing down, all right, at least in comparison to the rate at which many things move, the speed at which many things move in Western culture. So, to re, as in rewild, re means to return to something, right? So, what is the wild we are seeking to return to in this definition? that is the main question so what exactly is wild does not have anything to do with any form of say being uncivilization or anarchism as i've already alluded to wild does not mean barbaric i think a lot of people like picture somebody wearing like fur and like having like a bam bam from the flintstones like something to hit somebody with it doesn't mean uncivilized and there's a lot to unpack with this definition and we will totally do it over the course of the show not my intent to fully go and dive right into this in every way possible because I very much contradict myself and I do not even again know if this whole type of rewilding is even possible. However, I remain hopeful. So my definition spawns out of the biophilia hypothesis and it provides a tool for us to connect with nature for good health. So much like George Monbiot's uh, method or definition rather of rewilding was very much a tool for environmentalism Rewilding can also be a tool for us to reconnect with nature for good health of the individual, of our social structures, of the environment. So we will talk in a minute about elemental medicine or evolutionary medicine, which is becoming very popular right now. But again, what does wild mean? Essentially living in more connection with the earth, the elements, and the cycles of nature. So Returning to nature for health as a kind of blanketing statement, that is the overall meaning here to to wild. Um, But we are all a unique part of the wild, right? Much like blades of grass in one person's lawn, they differ from side to side. We differ. We might need the same nutrients, same type of shelter. Um, same amount of sunlight, but at the same time, we are all going to differ in some way. So it's tapping back into our own unique individuality and becoming the best blade of grass, say, that we can possibly be. So by rewilding, we can tap back into exactly that that wild, that intuition that, say, wild plants and animals have, that maybe call it an instinct, something that guides us toward fulfilling our destiny laid a grass, an acorn into an oak tree or a human being throughout their life. We all have that higher something that we're being called to essentially. So what exactly is domestication? Essentially, it's a loss of resilience and the devolution of humans that strips us rather, of our connection to nature and thus our good health. So it's a loss of resilience essentially. In my de- definition, I have uh, reconnecting with nature and wild places. So what are wild places? That's a great question. As we'll see in a minute, rewilding in this day and age, every individual, just like every individual blade of grass, how they'll rewild is different. So it's very much a spectrum. If I'm living in New York City, rewilding to me is going to be different If than, say, someone like myself living here in Ontario with access to lush forests and Great Lakes, and such. So, very important question. What is wild? Is a tree in a concrete jungle? Is it? Is that considered wild? Um, how can cycles of nature dictate how we eat, breathe, move? There's another good question. What exactly is wild food? Is harvesting a patch of wild leeks, is that wild? Um, I've seen these things argued before, and I guess these are questions again if we're going to rewild having access to wild places or places where we can become in contact with nature are important so very much a spectrum again and it will all depend on the individual in regards to hydration i see rewilding for some as simple as let's say switching from say tap water to buying or or say buying bottled water to getting a reverse osmosis system or say buying a portable water bottle that they will take with them and reuse so a reusable water bottle um whereas on the other end of the spectrum someone like myself who uses findaspring.com wants to go find fresh spring water at the source and harvest that myself right So there's all different ways of slowing down and i know that my definition might have some hardcore extremist rewilders rolling their eyes because I'm degrading essentially what they call, what what they identify with for their lifestyle. And I would say we have to kind of let go of the ego, one, and not try to identify ourselves to an ism or identity such as rewilding. But we have to remember, too, that some individuals don't have access to fresh springs. Some people literally buying a reusable water bottle and caring about the way that their water comes to them or where they have to go to get their water the way in which we're using the space around us, I think, is what's important. And if we're doing it in a way that's connecting us to nature um, or connect- and, and doing that for the health of nature and for the health of ourself, then essentially I, I could see that as rewilding for that individual. So I guess that's the main point I'm trying to make is that it very much is a, de- is a spectrum and it depends where an individual lives and the resources they have at their disposal. So again, I know some of you out there are probably rolling your eyes and saying that's not rewilding. But again, I think if we're going about these things on on an individual basis, and we're putting the environment first, we're thinking in different ways, we've uncaged the mind, so to speak. And we're doing that because that's the best we can do. Then that's the best we can do. And that's all we can do, right? So I think we need to not uh, get on get down on each other. If someone's rewilding extreme they can afford to live in in the back country and they can live off grid that's well and good so i want everyone to be able to come together in whichever way they can rewild and sure there's the utopian version of rewilding to me personally but i can only strive to live for that or try to get there i guess myself and not worry about others right so we all can only do our part that's essentially the most important piece so Some of you out there might even be shocked, say, you know, why can't we go back to the caveman days? It is in many ways enchanting, an enchanting idea to restore or sink human biology and way of life up with ancestors who lived in caves, perhaps, or even early agrarian societies. But it is almost impossible for us to get back in touch with who we are as homo sapiens in that way we are essentially like a feral cat nowadays. So rewilding and turning back thousands of years of evolution is somewhat of a pipe dream. However, through its principles, I think we can regain health and vitality. So in the face of continual technological advances that are essentially changing our biology and our biography in a way that is counter to the mission of this show or counter to the whole rewilding movement, I think it is important that we keep at it and we keep um try and find a way to become more in contact with nature as we continually evolve or technologically become more advanced so to speak whether or not our species can become wild as a whole is a whole nother debate and something i plan on doing throughout the life of this show but honestly i am on team human for sure i totally think that we can get a handle on this and i think there is such a need and a demand for folks to have access to green spaces and wild places that they can go to and just chill the heck out and disconnect. So I remain hopeful. But if human rewilding is as presented as say Wikipedia represents it, I would call human rewilding, rewilding of the soul, right? So whether or not we can change the way in which we get our water or move our bodies, I think what I want to do here is give individuals the tools, and we can, and and create a space and a platform that we can all come together and learn how to rewild our soul, so we don't have to go live, you know, back in the woods and stuff like that. It's just reconnecting to that wildness latent inside of each and one, every one of us in the best way that we possibly can. So again, very much a spectrum. Um, whether you're harvesting your own dandelions in the spring for a salad, to say purchasing land letting it totally rewild, it is such an awesome spectrum. And that's what makes me so excited about doing this show because there's so much room for conversations with folks who I think are embodying that whole rewilding of the soul mindset. So super pumped to talk to those folks. And I want to talk to so many others that, you know, I'm thinking are down for the cause of exploring their wild edges, right? So becoming the best person they possibly can be. And I've said this a few times, and I have some guests coming up where we're going to get right into exactly that, how to explore your wild edges and how to be the best you possibly can be. All living things always find and work the edges of their life, all right? So we'll learn more about edges and things like that in permaculture. And if you're into hunting, you'll understand what I'm talking about, edges. Um, But in order to rewild our minds, we want to know where our wild edge is, So where we feel our ego want to maintain that comfy and cozy domesticated life, we need to know exactly where that is for each one of us and what that exactly means for our health and overall health of the planet, right? So is it saying no to that cold shower? Or is it not wanting to let go of an idea that keeps us, say, domesticated? Or perhaps it's something like not wanting to go sit outside under a tree to journal, right? So where is our edge? So we see rewilding can permeate many facets of modern life and it is a combination of many things. So connecting with ourself, our local environment, connecting with food, connecting with plants, all in our local ecosystems, uh, connecting to animals that are native to where we live. The rewilding movement, I believe, offers a promising framework through which we can see alternative solutions to some of our biggest problems we face on Earth here today such as things like individual and public health epidemics, obviously, things like corporate deregulation, pollution, resource al- allocation, poverty, all these things, if we were to align the way in which we do business with, with each other, with the cycles of nature, and I know that this, again, is on a spectrum, but it takes individuals to make the choice to want to do business in this way. It creates happiness for entrepreneurs. I can speak to that from personal experience, and I'll have other entrepreneurs on who will also talk about the stress of running a business and trying to do business in a way that is different in this day and age. There are so many courageous young entrepreneurs, in my opinion, that are out there doing exactly that. So I hope to have those guys on the show and we can talk about how we go about doing business in that way so that we can give, hopefully, a good example as to, you know, things to do, things to stay away from. So what are some main areas we can attempt to rewild for good health? I already mentioned some earlier in my definition, but things like environmental regeneration is a key part of rewilding, and it is imperative and should be at the foundation to the political economy of the agriculture and food system that we have. And I was kind of just alluding to that. So if you guys want a homework assignment in regards to environmental regeneration or local space, I think one of the most interesting things is that we often don't know in which direction we have water, hills, forest, food, again, wild food in our local environment. So head out and know which direction, north, east, south, west, which way are these things in my local environment. And that's a great way we can just start to become spatially aware of our local ecosystem. And that is honestly foundational to kind of rewilding our minds anyways. Another thing to rewild for good health is our thoughts and emotion. So given my definition, we're obviously going beyond the act of just say, building our home, building our own homes and making our own clothes and lighting fires by friction and other primitive skills. But I want to f- point out that the act of actually trying to light a fire with a bow drill, or I could only imagine individuals who have built their off-grid cabins, the thoughts and emotions that they're able to work through out there in the woods alone, slowing down, working with tools or working with you know a bow drill, something that moves us a lot slower than, say, lighting a match or lighting a lighter. So I know from personal experience that, say, through hunting, sitting in a tree stand, the amount of stuff I've been able to work out in my life, thoughts and emotions so that I can be healthy and be the best version of myself and bring that forward in all my relationships... I know that it is so important to me. So I know that it might not be, say, the actual lighting of the fire, but it's the act, the process of doing these things is very inviting to us to go within and figure out what thoughts and emotions we need to move. We can talk a lot about food and water because there is the age-old debate within the rewilding movement is the whole agriculture versus wild foods. So one way I like to look at this is agriculture and diets that focus on foods outside of our local wild environment versus wild, seasonal, and ancestral diets, all right? So this is an area that we're going to talk a lot about, uh, talk about, as I mentioned earlier, tending wild plants. Um, We obviously can't all eat wild food in this day and age. There's billions of us on the planet, and we do not all have access to wild food, nor is there probably enough wild food. So how are we going to find nourishment that is also working with the local environment? So obviously looking at different methods of agriculture is going to be an important part of rewilding for all of us. So this show will expand upon all the methods and different ways we can go about doing just that. Next, movement and breathing is another main area we can attempt to rewild for good health. So again, going back to the very slowing down It's all too common this time of year, I'm thinking in January, so many folks come up to me and ask me what they can do for losing the weight they might have put on over the holidays. And so many folks want to go out to their local gym and have their ass kicked. It's often the farthest thing away from what we need. Not only this time of year, especially this time of year, seeing it as as it is winter and it is very much a slowing down we look outside in the northern hemisphere, it's often very cold. So again, not looking to, not say that we don't need our, our moderate to vigorous physical activity, but the way in which we get that is very important this time of year specifically. So slowing things down, slowing th- the way in which we breathe, slowing that down, moving that into our bellies. There's another area that we could start doing for re- rewilding. It's all too common that men have to walk around with chest puffed out, you know, looking like the big macho guy. And that's part of cultural indoctrination. We need to be able to breathe into our bellies comfortably, just like a baby would, right? So these are some two areas that we'll talk a lot about here on the show. Last one that I'll touch upon is sleep and spirituality. And I put these things both together because it has to do with how we're interacting with ourself and our community. So in other words, are we dreaming? So are we dreaming when we sleep? Are we dreaming throughout the day? Are we looking for what we see as our dream life are we trying to achieve that all right so how we're interacting with ourselves the dialogue within and then how we're bringing that forward to our community i think is very very important so we'll talk a lot about sleep we'll talk a lot about spirituality and even more so here in this very episode so some of you might be thinking gee i've been rewilding many things in my life like my sleep for example say you use blackout blinds or you use a grounding sheet to help keep you grounded to the earth while you sleep, or say in regards to movement, uh, say you've been doing move mat or practicing some type of like animal flow practice, or you've been doing barefoot walking and just natural movement of all sorts for some time, um, say breathing and spirituality or breath work and spiritual practices Um, you know, for example, from, from yoga to say different types of breath work to shamanic journeying, say even to using like plant medicines, for example, um, folks might be realizing like, geez, these essentially are rewilding tools. And in some ways, yes, that is very true. These are rewilding tools and practices. I guess the important thing to me anyways, is if it's all coming back to the local place and if it's an opportunity for you to connect with your local land and if possible, regenerate nature in the process now I know that we won't be able to totally regenerate nature every time we make a purchase or a decision you know in our modern environments but I think it's important that we are trying to think about nature we're trying to connect with nature in the process if we say if we are going to about it to say rewild right so if we are doing it with our health in mind as well as the health of the planet in mind and yes rewilding is more than just carrying a reusable water bottle around. I'm sure some in the rewilding movement are definitely rolling their eyes at that one, but for some that's pretty fucking wild. Just the idea to carry a water bottle around. So I don't want to exclude anyone here on this platform and getting in touch with the wild that is inherent in them. I definitely did not decide to make a podcast to tell people that they should be carrying a water bottle around though. So my point is that we rewilding is very much a spectrum and we will definitely be covering higher level rewilding practices that are more effective and are at aligning our nature with the cycles of nature. So one area that I want to get a lot into is the idea of evolutionary medicine or the field of evolutionary medicine, which is rapidly growing. And I'm going to link a PubMed article titled core principles of evolutionary medicine in the show notes. And it essentially uh, says that evolutionary or principles of evolutionary medicine use the evolutionary biology to better understand prevent and treat disease so that's something i think is quite interesting i mentioned earlier uh elemental medicine which is something not so popular and it essentially is a framework that i've kind of uh used out of say traditional chinese medicine and different ways of knowing but again looking in different uh native american medicine wheels looking at the elements as medicine so air fire water earth and ether so say if someone is dealing with some mental health challenges we might want to look towards the air element and the way in which they are getting the air element in their life in relation to the other other elements will be important in order for that individual to heal say so looking into things like again that fall under air the air element things like nervous system health things like thinking sleeping and dreaming whether or not uh, or let's say doing things like breathing exercises or taking walks in nature, or say, repeating positive affirmations and mantras over Um, for nutrition, seeking out things like mushrooms, uh, root vegetables, the way or if we are eating meat, that would be an important one as well. Uh, For physical activity, we could do uh, dance or drum circles, things like this that represent the air element. And that can indeed be the medicine for us. So again, something out there for everybody that I want to jump into from this show as a platform, and I am really looking forward to doing just that. So trying to paint the picture of what a modern-day rewilder looks like, and I don't think I will ever be able to do that. So that is, again, why I'm so excited to be doing this show. But what does a modern-day rewilder look like? Well, the modern-day rewilder is essentially, to some degree, taking the plunge to become a feral human. So defining existence, how they see it, but relying off nature the best they have access to in this day and age. Um, And I think that journey is one noble, but also full of exciting stories. And there's tons of new science also um, that I'm just really excited to bring to you guys here on this show. So seeing as we are so far removed as a species, and for me personally, my day job involves sitting at a computer. Not very wild. So the question to be answered, I think, in the show is how does this impact or how does, yeah, modern-day life impact my ability to rewild? And I think that's something we all have to individually address. So one modern-day solution, and this I'm going to go off on a little bit of a, uh, a rabbit hole here, but one modern-day solution I believe are health technologies that we can use to keep us in balance with nature and mimic the health benefits of nature. So given the extremes to which technology has impacted human evolution and our gene expression over the last 100 years, and when warranted and then also warranted by certain life circumstances, I believe technology can be our friend. And given where we are at in our health journey, we might need both modern day technologies and principles of rewilding to heal us. So I think that it will be, again, coming out out with this idea rather early in the show because I don't want to necessarily... uh, throw to the wayside some of these technologies. Again, I do want to hit home, though, that the rewilding mindset is foundational, period, first and foremost. But if I don't have time to make a fire or sit by a heat source like that throughout my week or throughout my day, then perhaps maybe using an infrared sauna at the local gym or what have you might be an alternative, all right? So again, very much a spectrum. But again, we are so far removed from nature that I see things like supplementation technologies technology just so interesting can we even get nutrient dense foods from the wild today what about the grocery store you know now they're selling fiddleheads are they wild like just looking at certain things i don't even know again if it's possible and i want to explore them more but like say foods like a carrot for example through agricultural practices we've actually you know domesticated the carrot so to speak and we've made it less nutrient dense in the meantime as well so we've created factory farming also that's you know far too polluting to ever be sustainable for the earth and we've cultivated foods for so long to be more sweet and less nutrient dense so i believe that support from or through different technologies can help us align with nature as we transition into a rewilding lifestyle right or based on the access we have to these wild places and i mean i found it hard personally um you know trying to accumulate adequate nature time now that i'm not necessarily you know living in the woods anymore i'm back in the grind in a city um and so, you know after i get the basics done in my life like food sleep time with love runs etc uh, i always find that there's you know basically there's always a hack somewhere for something and it's not again coming from the fitness industry we see you know hacks and in that commercialism uh everywhere which is kind of sickening very much so, you know, you got seven minute abs and you see six minute abs and, and so on and so forth. Um, And you know, technology might fascinate me, but nothing fascinates me, what I'm trying to say is nothing fascinates me more than the invention of the human body. It's the most amazing technology we have. And to get into biohacks or using technology to mimic nature, before we even know how to operate our meat suit, and how to keep that in alignment with its true nature. Um, I think that's where we can expect to run into some dis-ease and some discomfort. and, And from that, I think we can learn a lot. So I want to spend some time comparing and contrasting, biohacking, and rewilding and this show here and how I, myself, how I balance these two practices and the dichotomy that seems apparent at first glance when you look at these two things. So biohacking is actually a word in the dictionary now, which is nice and convenient. And it says that uh, biohacking is biological experimentation as by gene editing or the use of drugs or implants done to improve the qualities or capabilities of living organisms, especially by individuals and groups working outside a traditional medical or scientific research environment. So essentially, it just seeks to control the environment through the use of, I would say, the biomedical model, so using things like chemically synthesized compounds in a lab, such as, say, pharmaceutical drugs or implants and surgeries. And my critique is a common theme of disregard for ways of knowing outside of materialistic and reductionist science. That's my main critique of, say, the biohacking space. And there's also an inability to incorporate things like, say, spiritual health in the biohacking model without philosophically contradicting oneself or so i believe uh we can get lost in you know heady trendy stuff that seems sexy because our favorite health magazine cover model is pushing some gadget i think the spotlight rewilding has received in recent times here is in response to people in the health and fitness industry and consumers of say health and fitness uh you know goods and services saying i'm done with all this you know get fit quick schemes and things like that. Um, this is why I think we are really seeing a return to nature and why we're even seeing, say, some in the biohacking space become more in line with, say, a naturalistic or a rewilding point of view. And this is why I'm even talking about this, you know, similarities and differences right now. But in my experience, uh, now that, you know, it might seem like these two are totally opposite based on what I've, how I've defined them both. But heck, you know, one sounds like it's trying to create genetically modified human cyborg thing or the superhumans of tomorrow. And the other is trying to, you know, reach back through time and to attain pure human wildness, you know, talking to trees and, and things like that. But that's on the extremes. All right, folks, that is on the extremes. And much like rewilding is a spectrum, I believe these two world spectrums do intersect in a way that is is we're talking about here throughout the life of this show, um, given the times that we are in. And, you know, also given my life experience. So they definitely do not intersect or cross at the extremes. That is obviously clear, but I think they do intersect and we can uh, use that intersection for our benefit. I have a long history of over overly relying on or praising, say, materialistic science. And this is before I became educated on the limits of knowledge within the health sciences. And I had a few experiences that, made me believe in a higher power and that we are part of part of that higher power. And, um, you know, I kind of realized there essentially is like somewhat of a myth in civilization being told. So that is, that made me start to question science. Um, and you know, it enhanced my desire, I guess, to biohack my health and fitness outside of the mainstream science. I remember wearing, it's funny. Cause I remember wearing the oldest clunkiest heart rate monitor, back in my high school days. So, you know, I've been doing this biohacking stuff, I guess, for some time. And, you know, now it's just kind of neat to see, I'm, I'm wearing an aura ring that tells me the exact same thing. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I realize now that myth, mystery, and self experiences um, are the things that I've come to enjoy about rewilding is actually what led me into biohacking. Um, and I'm not sure if biohackers even realize, uh, you know, their myth of their regime or the myth of their regime and how they contradict themselves in the way they come to know, air quotes, know something. On one hand, they rely on the non-generalizable, you know, N equals one experimenter, grinding it out, and at the same time, they kind of cherry-pick from obscure materialistic science and rely on mixed methods data collection and analysis to make claims and generalizations that are far from reliable or generalizable. Essentially, there's a lot of subjectivity and room for interpretation in the way they digest science, but I digress. And my point is that both rewilding and biohacking are all about self-experiences, though one might think they have you know science on their side and, and seek to control things and such. So let's look at some more similarities actually here as we're just about to wrap up the show today. Um, but let's look at the relationship between rewilding and biohacking. What I like about that, biohacking definition is that it doesn't say food, which I agree, you can't have food that is a biohack. You can't biohack your venison sausages. So that's a good thing. But, but food is not a biohack. In fact, if you're eating the right foods, you know, getting lots from the wild, um, I don't think you'll even need to biohack per se. In that example of that, I think something that I've seen a lot of lately is glucose monitors are being a popular gadget in the biohacking space. But using things like digestive bitters from herbs, you know, like dandelion, burdock, uh, what else? like artichoke, chamomile, uh, angelica. Using these types of digestive bitters, we can actually help lower glucose levels. Or even using things like Ceylon cinnamon or consuming, say, a shot of apple cider vinegar right before a meal. These are all great ways to regulate glucose spiking. Which is something that doesn't often spike when we look at our ancestors who ate wild seasonal foods. However, today, with soft drinks and high fructose corn syrup and everything, uh, we're seeing glucose peaking higher than the, than Mount Everest, say, right? So these things, again, we can do stuff from nature. One similarity, um, clearly there is an assumption that our environment has changed our genes from our wild ancestors, and I do resonate with the attention given to epigenetics within the biohacking community. The desire to control one's built environment is important to a biohacker, However, um, instead of trying to, say, control the local environment for one's health, a rewilder would seek to work with the local natural or unnatural and supernatural environments. So I see desire to work with the land as a key difference between the two. One's working with, one's working, seeking to control, I guess, or control their own piece of the earth, their body. So... They're also similar in that they both practice self-care and or self-reliance or subsistence subsistence living. Uh, neither are doctrines that take a passive backseat, you know, to interacting with the environment in a way that will ensure health. So, they're def biohackers, rewilders are definitely interacting with the local environment. Um, you know whether that can ensure or improve function or longevity seems to be somewhat of a similarity. I I find now a clear difference is that biohacking seeks to get there faster, obviously. And I think that kind of goes without saying. And a rewilder is much more based in slowing down. So this point leads me to the belief that rewilding creates room for fostering good spiritual health, whereas biohacking is by default, I feel, opposed to slowing things down and putting faith into something, say, like God, um, that to them seems outside of themselves. So again, that's somewhat of a... uh, I guess the criticism of biohacking is that it leaves out the very important piece of spiritual health. So I think a fallacy of biohacking comes from the belief that through tinkering in such a way, um, you know, with using science and quantitative data, it's producing generalizable outcomes with sustainable results. And I find that nature is always in a constant flux. And I believe that nature in this case will always win, despite making some maybe short term gains on our health. I feel like there's no biological f- free lunch so we're going to have to make up for that somewhere else and nature always knows it's much too smart in my opinion or in my experience and also in my experience it seems quite it meaning biohacking very has really become commercialized and quite healthist ever since you know that first heart monitor heart rate monitor that I bought way back in the day so pushing gadgets that literally 1% of the population would benefit from because you know i feel like no one's that healthy or needs to live to say be 150 like some of these biohacking long biohackers and longevity experts want to or claim that they want to uh, many people i feel like are looking for that quick fix biohack than making principles of rewilding or ancestral living as a foundation to their lifestyle this is where my problem really lies from an ethical and efficacy standpoint with biohacking i feel like any program and again i said this in the first episode uh, any program that strays away from the cycles of Mother Nature will fail in the long run, or so I believe. So what I will do, because we are running short on time now actually, is um, I'm going to do a whole nother show, I think, and actually kind of go over some of some biohacks um, that might mimic nature. So might be a solo episode or not, but I plan on doing this in a future episode just because we are running short on time. So much like there are, I guess this, to kind of wrap this point up, is much like there are ex- extremists in rewilding, there, ex- there are extremists in biohacking, and I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, and again, not not all biohackers are, say, atheists who want to move to Mars, and not all rewilders are roadkill-eating hippies. In this day and age, we don't need more of the us-versus-them mentality. Um but we need to come together and see, I guess, where we agree on certain things. And we probably all agree on more things than we disagree on. Um, I see a lot of similarities, obviously, in these two. Both are called to exploration. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I see a lot of similarities. Both a rewilder and a biohacker are called to explore. Um, And I think we in society are indebted to individuals like this for their bravery, whether you're the first one to you know, get that first stem cell injection, or you're that first one who ate that first magic mushroom, which is actually, you know, it's kind of a something I often think about. What if the stoned ape theory is true? Could you imagine what it would be like to be that first ape that actually ate the magic mushroom and started tripping balls? I totally think that would be, it'd be wild to actually be one of his like buddy apes just sitting there and be like, what is going on? But anyways, Like I always say with this stuff, it all comes down to intent. The intent with which we do things is important, and to constantly strive for a state that is outside of the nature of our being is counter to the health of the individual, I believe, and also the collective with which it is a part of. Yes, it is quite a holistic worldview. Um, I feel like there is tremendous benefit to come from some of these technologies. That's the thing. But I don't think... But I think, you know... Yes, there are some amazing technologies that benefit our biology, but I also think that we're overlooking the most amazing technology ever created, which is our human body and how that communicates with the natural and supernatural world. So I'd like to see us personally slow things down where we can and then introduce these technologies from a very ecocentric mindset. So given the commercialism with biohacking, I'm going to call what others would call biohacks, wild hacks. And I feel it's important because again, it kind of distinguishes between the two with a few of the things that I had said there. And I feel like a wild hacker is one who explores their wild edges and their local environment with great respect and reciprocity. And they use technology to mimic nature when necessary for good health, and to keep human biology as wild as possible. So Wild hacking or a wild hacker is explicitly different from, say, a biohacker that has an app to tell them when to poop, eats pills for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and sees moving to Mars as the coolest thing since sliced bread. So, a wild hacker, however, has uncaged the captive mind and lives with the cycles of nature the best they possibly can, first and foremost, and then they will let nature tell them when to poop. How about that, eh? Nature telling you when to poop, who would have thunk we had the ability. But my intent for bringing, you know, bringing this up is to make that distinction and to not over-glorify also this kind of CEO-type rewilding that is becoming popular where you can just go to some fancy wilderness-based spa, you choose to not shave for a week, you eat farm venison, and you use all these fancy technologies and stuff that might mimic the health benefits of nature when you could literally just walk outside your door in these fancy uh, (laughs) retreats and get your dose of nature. So I do see there is importance in using technology, but again, just want to separate the two. So rewilding, I believe, can be the saving grace in the technological world that we live in by approaching society and health through that rewilding lens. I think we can attempt to reconcile technological advancement and progress with our evolved genome. I think we can work together and become more human yet again. So we're living in interesting times here, folks, and I hope that today's show has given some hope for returning to our wild selves. Uh, Again, nothing here on this show is held as absolute truth. This is rewilding as I have come to know it and love it. I hope to get many more perspectives on it and use rewilding as a lens to explore our social structures and ways that we interact with one another. That is my main goal here. What's important is we learn how to uncage the mind or the soul, so to speak, and think differently, more so, and just think differently, and get in touch with nature the very best we can. Yes, we need to do more than just carry a water ball around. We all in the West right now have to change our lifestyle drastically to help the Earth, and I hope that this show can give you the tools to do just that, help the Earth, help yourselves, and basically, we're all going to be like a bunch of like Keanu Reeves here run around seeing the ones and zeros and i mean keanu reeves in like not bill and ted's excellent adventures i'm talking the matrix right so um that that said i have said enough enough with the rambling today uh please join me in the next couple episodes where i'm going to have some friends on who i want to share their wild story and so until next time stay wild Listening to the Rewild My Bio podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave a five star rating if you've enjoyed this episode. I would greatly appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends, if of course you think they would like it. You can also visit rewildmybio.com to download previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs and bonus content from my health promotion research, along with practical tips to help you rewild in a modern world please follow along on Instagram and Facebook at RewildMyBio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay wild.